0: Welcome friends to First Reading, the Old Testament lectionary podcast for preachers, teachers, and all other creatures. I'm Tim McNinch.
1: And I'm Rachel Wren. This week, we're looking at the first reading for January 19th, Isaiah 1 through seven. And Tim has taken the lead on this passage for us. So uh, Tim, where do you think we should start? Do you wanna do the text, jump right into the text or anything about literary or historical context, which would be helpful?
0: Yeah, I can give a little bit of context here. Uh, We've been doing a lot in Isaiah lately, Uh, it seems to be the way that things have been set up for us. Uh, And that's great, because Isaiah is a wonderful and dense book of prophecy. And uh, this is another of the passages that come from 2nd Isaiah, the second part. So it's, uh, historically speaking, coming from an exilic uh, sort of framework, uh, looking at uh, the experience of the people of God through their experience of exile. Uh, This particular text is also one of several sections in 2nd Isaiah that are known as the Servant Songs, in which the focus of the prophecy is on the Eved Adonai, the Servant of the Lord. And we had one of those last week as well in in Isaiah 42.
1: Yes, that's right, we did. Uh, So like Isaiah 53, also the passage that talks about the servant who was bruised for our transgressions and by his wounds we are healed. Now, I'm, uh, I'm guessing you're about to say something about how these passages are often taken to be prophecies of the ministry of Jesus, am I right?
0: Yep, that's true, and, and there is a long tradition that goes back to the New Testament itself of tying these servant passages in Isaiah to Jesus, who is the servant of God. But there's other ways to read these prophecies in a whole variety of contexts.
1: Do you have any ones that you think might be most helpful for preaching this sermon?
0: Yeah, yeah. So there's a few that we could think about. Uh, some people have seen these servant passages as referring to Isaiah himself, or maybe in this context, in 2nd Isaiah, maybe the successor to the prophet. Um, some people have thought maybe it's referring to the, the king of Judah, maybe even Jehoiakim, who was uh, a king in exile. That's, that's got some merit to it. Um, There's a tradition that that they refer to Israel as a whole. Of course, there's the tradition of uh, prophecy about Jesus Christ, which we've talked about, uh, or the the people of God collectively, which is one of the ways that you took us last week in thinking about the servant as the servant people. Uh, Each of those is a valid part of the reception history of, of this text. And uh, I would just add that there's actually probably at least two of those layers within the received Hebrew text that we have for this passage. Uh, Verse 3 of this chapter says, You are my servant, Israel, in whom I will be glorified. Which is really interesting because there's textual evidence, actual variations in the ancient copies, that suggests that the word Israel there may have been a later insertion. So... Mm. Originally, perhaps, the song was about the calling of the prophet himself, but then some later tradition expanded that vocation to refer to Israel as a whole. And in the text that we've received, it has all of that flexibility of meaning about who the servant is kind of built into it, which I think is kind of cool.
1: Oh, I like that. I like the way that uh, that kind of makes this a playful text. You know, I think I think so often when we talk about the Bible, we want to talk about, well, what does the Bible mean? And often when we say something like, what does the Bible mean? We want it to mean one thing. Right. Um, and a lot of time, the biblical text is a lot more open to nuance and and play than that. You know, there there's some fun stuff happening here. Mm-hmm. Um, so so what would be some of that play or just what's happening you know exegetically at the level of the text itself in this particular servant song?
0: Ah yes this this song is about God's calling. So verses 1 and 5 emphasize that the servant was called by God, named and equipped for his work even before he was born to be a, to be a spokesperson for God. And in this text, the gift of speech is compared to a sharp blade, a polished arrow by which God could cut to the chase and pierce the hearts of the people with with words of transformation. But interestingly, the prophet here is speaking from a context of exile. The people didn't listen to his words, and many of them have been taken away into exile. And so he's reflecting here. Was his calling all for nothing? Uh, a little, little mini Hebrew lesson here.
1: Okay, if you must.
0: Yeah. He calls the experience tohu Vehevel. Was it all chaos and vapor? You might remember the word tohu from Genesis 1-2, the tohu v'vohu, the chaotic emptiness of creation before God speaks light into being. And you might remember hevel, From Kohelet, Ecclesiastes, where the author wonders aloud throughout that book whether everything is hevel, just emptiness or vanity, vapor, breath, meaningless. Here the prophet nurses those same sorts of doubts: Has everything been tohu vahevel? And it's into those doubts that God speaks and speaks an enlarging of the calling. The prophet's vocation is not just to call the survivors of Israel back to God, but to be a light to the nations, because God has intentions for rescuing the whole earth.
1: Okay, so the prophet is wrestling with questions of tohu v'hevel, chaos and emptiness. In Genesis, it says that God created out of tohu vavohu, chaos and void, and the first thing God created was light, um, I'm trying to think. No, of... I th-
0: I think you're onto it there, Rachel. So, uh, and maybe my mentioning of Genesis one two kind of primed you for that, but <laughs> uh, <laughs> you I think you're totally right. The the let there be light of creation sprang out of that tohu emptiness, and mm. I think that's what's happening here as well. God's promising the prophet that out of his own experience of tohu heaven will come or goim a light to the nations.
1: Mm. Do you have a sense of, I think this is always a, an interesting tendency in the prophets or reading prophetic texts, is how much do we relate them to our own lives and how much do we need to keep in mind the, the communal context of this? Um, because I could read this text and I do read this text and feel a very deep sense of resonance of, um, you know, someone, anybody who struggles with feeling like an imposter or feeling like they have doubts or feeling like it's all worthless how much is it okay to to let that speak directly to us, and um, how much do we want to broaden that to include the broader communal aspect that this text was talking about?
0: Yeah, I think probably the both and is the right answer there. Mm-hmm. This does speak to uh, people individually, I think, uh, but it's probably maybe maybe it would be a good preaching pitfall to say that it may be limiting to leave it there at the individual, mm-hmm. because this is also. Not only is this sort of a text that is spoken into a more communal society in general, but it's speaking to a community. So I think um I think we wanna have both of those both of those angles on the text. I, I agree. I, I think that the individual message of this text jumps out at me, because 'cause I'm sort of in that midlife season to, you know, myself, wondering if yeah. all of my labors over the years have been tohu vehevo, you know. <laughs> right, chaos yeah, and paper. right, exactly. Um, and I, I think I can hear you know, the, the voice of God saying through the mouth of the prophet here, no, I'm not done with you yet. And uh, I think that's, a, that's an important message. But I, it, I think you're right that it's also a really uh, important message for whole communities, uh, for, especially for those who have like, worked together as servant congregations for years and years or generations and might be feeling like they're floundering right now. In a in a con, in a context that just feels you know like what's happening in the world everything just seems so regressive has everything yeah. that we've worked toward all these years been for nothing and there's a hopeful yeah. message here
1: yeah I could see this really being a powerful communal message in a a, a small congregation that is constantly kind of worrying about. What does the next year look like of sustainability? Um, but I also see it even being a really powerful message for us as a country, for when, for a lot of people, it might be feeling like Tohu um, an on a national level, that God's speaking and saying, no, there's still hope, there's still direction, there's still future.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, so you mentioned one preaching pitfall. Do you have any others that you'd want to lift up?
0: Yeah, I mean, I I suppose I hesitate on this a little bit, but I think it's worth noting out loud that within the pro-life movement, our text today is one of the key passages of scripture that's used to make a case for the essential humanity of fetuses. I, I grew up in a church context where that was a very important concept and where that interpretation was understood as the primary meaning of this text because it talks mm-hmm. about the way that the, the prophet was known and... Um, called by god even while in the womb Uh, now i don't know that it's necessarily my place to say whether or not this text supports that kind of theology but i will say that i think that the abortion issue itself demands a much more nuanced conversation than you get by pointing to a proof text like this and in any case the central exegetical message of the passage isn't about when human life begins but it's about the call to service that comes from god's prerogative that's sort of where this text is coming from. The The reason the prophet points so emphatically to God's activity before his birth is because he wants his hearers to know that this isn't something that he sought out or that that came to him because of his own decisions or because of anything he did or merited. God's call was placed on him completely by God's own initiative. The call and the fulfillment of the call are all in God's hands.
1: I think that's a really helpful thing to lift up. I I feel like you're lifting up the way that this text has become kind of a, a, um, a lodestone for a particular issue that we are wrestling with today in our country, but that that's not... At all the entirety of this passage, whatever your belief about abortion is or is not, um, there's there's more to be said, perhaps, about this passage. Is that kind of where you're getting at? Yeah,
0: yeah, definitely. And and I, I hope people can hear me on this. I'm not saying that those questions are not important uh, or that the abortion issue isn't an important thing for us to, to try to come to some theological understanding about. I'm just trying to say that um those are questions that deserve a more focused conversation and debate, and a sermon on this particular passage isn't gonna settle that question or or do it justice by by a long shot. There will be other opportunities to talk about those other questions
1: um I do like the fact though tim that you you named that and If you know, if you dear preachers know your context well enough to know that this is a live issue, it might be worth just naming that reality simply because it will be on people's minds already and it might help putting a pause on that discussion to name it and then say, but I want to look at something else that I hear this text doing today that I felt God moving me to talk about and then moving into a sermon from there.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I think, you know, maybe with the abortion issue in particular, because it's so contentious, the venue of a sermon with a, a sort of one person lecturing to a captive audience isn't really, in my opinion, the, the right venue to try to uh, get into that issue. It's it's by nature, that's, a, that's an issue that calls for a more dialogical environment to try to come to, to theological understanding.
1: I think that's a great point. You have all the power as the preacher in that position. And that's, this isn't a, a, a conversation that should be captive to power dynamics. So yeah. yeah, good. Well, then, so then what would you recommend with preaching this passage?
0: Yeah, so uh, this would be kind of my angle into it. I think, I think there's a story in this poem the story of the prophet who has shouldered this huge calling and, and finds himself disappointed at the failure of his prophetic words to make a real difference in the world. Though his words were as sharp as a polished arrow, they sort of just glanced right off the rigid armor that people had placed over their hearts. And in verse 4, you can you can hear in the Hebrew almost the way that he's sighing with that that word, Achen. Ach, and, oh well, he says, at least I've been as faithful as I can, and the results are in God's hand. And while that's a faithful response, you can sense how deflated he feels about this situation. God's response in that moment is, wow, you're, you're disappointed about that little calling? I've got bigger things in store for you than you could have imagined. I'm making you a light to the nations that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth." So I think we've, we've talked earlier about how this can hit us on an individual level, but I think we're heading in the right direction to really emphasize the communal aspect of this for communities who feel like their ministry over the years has perhaps been much less effective in the community than they had hoped. I think the, the call of God here raises us up out of that place of, of doubt and shows us that there's so much more that God is intending to do with us and through us in the places and contexts where, where we've been put. So there's a, there's a hopeful message here that it's the way God typically works, to use humble, lowly, unimpressive people just like us and like <laughs> our communities to accomplish really great things. So I think a good preaching call here is that even in the midst of tohu vehevil, of the chaos and vapor all around us, that we can be attentive to the call of God, which might end up being greater than we ever imagined. So I could imagine a, a, ser- a sermon that reminds a congregation of the greatness of their calling as a light to their community. And you know, if you happen to be a, a kind of visionary uh, preacher and leader, I bet there are some initiatives that uh, you've been working toward in this coming year that God might be calling your congregation toward, where this would be really an inspiring text to to let people know that there's so much more that God has in store for us as a community. So I think, I think that's where I'd head with the sermon.
1: I like that a lot. And I think what you hit on there was really important because there's so much more that God has in store for us using the humble things that we think are not enough. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a tension there that those seem incompatible, but both are true. And so if we look at what we have that feels like not enough and look at it through the eyes of God is doing great things through this, how does it change the way we approach what we have and use what we have. Um, I think that could be a really great sermon.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep, and you know, it fits really well with the season of Epiphany, right? I, I keep coming back to this. If God can do what God did with a baby in a feeding box, what's God gonna do with, with us?
1: Absolutely. Okay, preachers, well with that, we will leave you to it. Thanks so much for listening. Um, if you found this podcast helpful, point one friend towards our website. Find one preacher friend that you think might benefit from uh, uh, listening to this and uh, send them over to firstreadingpodcast.com or just share it on social media. Um, let, Let other folks know what we're doing. Until next time, I'm Rachel Wren.
0: And I'm Tim McNinch. Happy Epiphany season, everyone, and happy preaching. Has everything that God called him to been, for nothing, been tofu, tohu, tofu? <laughs>
1: <laughs> tohu v- falafel. Yes.
0: Has everything been tohu v'heva?